0: When you envision the ideal experience for your brewery guests, point of sale probably isn't at the top of your list. It's the transactional finality to their visit. What you need is a point of service. Arrived is the first mobile, flexible, customizable point of service system built for craft breweries. It adapts and grows with you on premise and online. Your staff will love the simplicity, your managers will love the world-class support team, and your guests will love that they can get the same delicious beer with the same amazing service from anywhere. Fall in love with your point of sale. Fall in love with Arrived. Bolide Communications offers a wide range of marketing services to satisfied customers, including positioning, sales collateral and POS, branding, website design, public relations, and social media. Talk with Bolide Communications today and how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. You already make great beer. Let Bolide Communications help with the rest. This is Andy Crouch, and welcome to the Beer Edge Podcast. One of the best parts of covering the beer industry is watching fresh new voices enter the space. The craft beer industry has long suffered from a tendency to highlight the same people over and over again, and beer media is no different. We in the beer press tend to group around well-known individuals and help elevate their thoughts and opinions while failing to dig deeper to hear from others. It's a known issue, and one we need to work to change. Also, such a myopic approach deprives us of the new experiences and perspectives that others can bring to the table. It's like drinking the same staid amber ale forever. Having the occasional one is great, but is that really how we want to live our shared lives? Samer Kaderi certainly qualifies as one of those new voices. Based here in my home city of Boston, Samer has worked with breweries such as Jack's Abbey on its digital marketing efforts. He's also a writer who covers design, music, action sports, and craft beer. And it's the last one of those that caught my attention, including a long-form piece exploring his own Iraqi family's unlikely history with brewing. He's also written lovely, intricate profiles of quirky industry personalities, such as Chris Lively of Ebenezer's Pub in Maine. As you'll hear in this wide-ranging discussion, Samer is excited and passionate about craft beer, as interested in the business side of the industry, as he is with the art and charm of the product itself. Excited and giddy about craft beer, but also with a clear focus on what is important. His is a voice worth listening to. And while we've never met in person, He's an engaging personality and someone I'm excited to have beers with when we get on the other side of the pandemic. Here's my discussion with Samer Kaderi. So you noted that you were, um, participated this year in dry January. Uh, what was it about you know, that process or what was it that attracted you to, to give it a shot this year? Especially, you know, this is the year where everyone talks, you know, we should not do dry January. You know, it's, it's either bad for the beer industry or, or I can't believe that somebody would contemplate not wanting to have a drink every single night for a month. You know, what was it for you?
1: Well, it's funny that you mentioned that it's bad for the beer industry because I tried to actually remain supportive to breweries. Um, I purchased beer and merch. um, And I think that even incentivized others to be like, if you do this, like we'll almost like reimburse you. Um, And, For me, it was more of a a disciplinary act. Um, I kind of just wanted to see if I could do it. Um, I always try to drink in moderation. I've worked in the beer industry extensively. Um, And when I left, I actually focused or switched my role into the health and wellness industry (laughs) because I saw, you know, sales. I saw functional alcoholism throughout my career. And I was like, well, maybe I'm done with beer for a bit. And I and I knew that again within the digital marketing world and health and wellness kind of being a trend that I would learn about that space. Ironically, it can be just as unhealthy <laughs> as the beer world. Um, but I, you know, I'm someone who's a fond believer of balance, and um, you know, even in my own drinking habits, I've kind of been cautious of drinking, especially during this time, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to see if I could not drink for 30 days or 31 days. So
0: it just, I am never been one who has been particularly, particularly excited about, um, drinking at home just cause I'm not somebody who loves drinking by myself. You know, it's really the social aspects, like you're saying, or just being at the location that I feel the connection with. And so the drinking at home thing, is just not, it just, I mean, it's, it's what we have. So I guess we do it, but it just, it just isn't, I miss, I miss the in-person part. And, you know, you know, for me trying to maintain that balance is also just, just just the part of just not loving the solo nature of it.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I've been trying to spread beer cheer, you know, we're fortunate in new England to have a, a lot of amazing breweries and, you know, a lot of people are missing travel and things like that. So I've never actually traded beer before um, in my life. And I've been finding myself, you know, trying to provide um, just that kind of, um, you know, shared experience in any way I can.
0: Let's, you know, we, we sort of started somewhere at the end here, but just, you know, curiously, just talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, sort of what your background is and, and how you came to be involved and interested in the beer industry.
1: Yeah. Um, there's like the, the there's two stories, I guess. There's the long version and the short version, and then the like within the year version. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll guess I can do a little brief version of each. Um, I've always been kind of an artist and writer at heart, but something that I never really pursued until this past year where I was like, okay, I'm going to double down and the more I convince myself that I'm not an artist, and I'm not a writer, the more I'm just gonna avoid that. Um, I have been in the past a music journalist and uh, an editor for an architecture uh, design blog out of Milan. Um, I lived in Copenhagen as a teacher's assistant essentially for a study abroad program. Um, I studied urban design. So for me, I love design spaces um, that somehow led to like digital marketing and content. Um, I was a, I loved beer, I guess, you know, I can't remember like, what's that magic beer moment. But I lived in Copenhagen and, you know, I belonged to the brew house, like beer club. I think, I don't know if Sean Hill was there at the time. I think we may have missed each other, but Mickler is a huge, you no know, powerhouse mm-hmm. there. Um, I came back home. I was still doing a little music journalism. Jack Sabby just opened their beer hall in Framingham. And I basically, uh, you know, started as a server there, got so, you know, enthralled by the beer world. Um, I love lagers, you know, Uh, it's a very great entry. I basically, I picked Jack Sabby because I was like, what's the one beer that I could drink and never get sick of? Mm -hmm. Like, what, What style of beer? Um, I ended up actually uh, becoming their digital marketing manager, um, shooting, um, doing all their copy, basically anything that hit the website, uh, Twitter, everything, social media managing, uh, and then we launched Springdale, so that was a big task. Um, and then I I left Jax. Like I said, I I, <laughs> I worked in uh, health and wellness for a bit, and then. Uh, You know, I in March, actually, which is funny of last year, I decided that I I wanted to commit to my um, my art and my writing, Mm -hmm. and uh, my writing took off a bit more, um, which has been fantastic.
0: What type of art?
1: Um, so I had a gallery actually in Bow Market. I do a lot of watercolor um, and collage. I want to do more large scale uh, pieces, but I've never actually, I think after when I was an undergraduate, I was so used to working so small in like my dorm room that I scaled down a bit. Um, I used to do a lot of stencil graffiti. Um, I'm very passionate about graffiti and street art. And I think that's why I'm into watercolor now.
0: Um, You mentioned that you had a background in urban design. Uh, does that also just include urban development?
1: Yep, um, it was environmental design with a concentration in um, urban studies and urban development. I didn't want to go that route. Um, zoning and planning uh, wasn't of interest <laughs> to me, but as you know, we've mentioned before, it's like I'm someone who's greatly affected by uh, you know a taproom experience but I've translated kind of how we're experiencing things to the digital world and I see the digital world as um, you know as planning as design you know good content can bring people together uh, you know it is communicative and almost like you know people engage in the space so to speak.
0: So with Respect to digital marketing, how do you think that most craft breweries do when, you know, whether it's promotion of their own website and development of their own website, telling their own stories online, uh, or just even in managing social media?
1: I love that you asked me this question because I think, um, there are some breweries that do it well. I think, you know, some photographers are incredible. Social media is captivating um i think you know the whole new england hazy ipa movement wouldn't have been a thing if it couldn't have visually been captured on instagram like an instagram kind of became a space the thing is that these spaces are always changing and i think that's one thing that a lot of people are still kind of trying to figure out is that like okay well now you know the algorithm of instagram can like limit your reach and a photo a product photo in a and a beer description isn't going to be that anymore. And if you want to reach an audience that's younger, <laughs> this younger generation on TikTok, Clubhouse, um, all of those platforms are kind of consuming this this material a lot differently. Um, I also think you know, branding and being uh, attuned to your 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 brewery is important because it's, it's about staying relevant. Um, and there's different ways to do that.
0: Through the lens of, you said you had worked for Jack's Abbey through the, through that lens, what was, what was sort of your approach there? How do you, how did you go about trying to capture kind of the end and sort of tell the story of the essence of, of that particular brewery?
1: Um, well, the Jack's Abbey. when I started at Jack's Abbey, there was hardly even a marketing team. So I, I basically was like, we, you know, at the time I was like, we can't be shooting on a cell phone, you know, like we can't be, we can't be doing these things. We need to kind of um, create almost like a, a visual style guide um, and a visual and a, and a branding tone. And that was aligned to, you know, the mission, vision, values of, of Jack's Abbey, which is kind of an accessible, largely distributed uh, family run business. Um, but the great thing about um, a brewery like that was that there was endless content, right? You can do a feature of brewing. You can do a feature of the product. You can do a feature of like the beer hall and kitchen, right? There's always something that needs to be kind of documented. And that's also another crazy or wild aspect of all of these things is that now you're cataloging a brewery's history now like Mm -hmm. the media is actually um something more than something that you think is ephemeral because one of the things that's exhausting is that you need to kind of like you i had to produce constantly i had to like take photos edit and and it's a lot of work but um it's it's a it's great work it's it's people see it but you know it's tough when you think the most liked photo that you cure like get together only gets whatever likes and something that you think is the throwaway thing gets all the views or listens or reads, you know,
0: I'm what sure were, you're familiar with. That. Yeah. What were, what were easy wins? What were ones that you always knew were going to do well?
1: Um, photos with, with Jack, you know, photos of the brewer. People mm-hmm. like to see who's, you know, the, the mastermind behind the the product. Interesting. Um, that was always an easy win.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would have thought it might be like, Fishbowl hazy IPA or something like that, but it it just just regular old Jack, huh?
1: Just Jack, yeah, just Jack. Um, yeah, no, I think you know people like to see it's and again there's like I I don't like the way it's like again the way algorithms work or people game it's like people like to see people, um, people like to see like instead of doing just a, a beer shot, it's like people like a hand in the photo occasionally. You know there are ways to measure these measure the performance of things and i was actually in the digital marketing world at an ad agency before um and i don't like to measure performance and i don't like the term like organic is dead and things like that like it just doesn't sound right like this is a creative pursuit and i know that yes there's dollars behind it but um in the in the field of writing and photography and creative like you gotta still let that let the creative pursuit be that.
0: And which which breweries do you think is do, are doing a particularly good job in digital marketing?
1: Oh man, there are so many. <laughs> um, I think right now um, I spoke to t- Tired Hands and they created this like adult swim um, kind of, <laughs> they created this like almost like a show where now they can, uh, Gene is essentially the host of the show and they're using video, which is more captivating and helps with the, uh, the algorithm. And they're basically, it's like they can showcase a lot in a small amount of time, but also be funny with it and align their brand to it. I think um, Phil at Trillium is doing an amazing job just as a visual person. Like his, his photography and skill is pretty robust um and then there's i don't know i think there's just different um there's different avenues um paul at cloudwater um is doing great things on youtube and um you know the production again of that is is really compelling and it it gets the audience in the chat and um it's just interesting because people need to commit to these things. Like I, I love listening to podcasts. Um, I've said, I listen to podcasts at two X speed. Cause it's like, I don't have, you know, I listened to the last podcast with you and Carla and, and Josh and Neil and John, but that was a two
0: hour, you know, yeah, like no, I, I, can, I can understand putting that on two or three X, just let it, you know, make us sound like chipmunks and move through it. So in terms of when you're doing, you know, sort of the digital marketing, you're mentioning that you're also involved with, um, you're also involved, you know, with the social media sites. Were you at that point also dealing with the public and trying to talk to them or in having the conversation online with them? Oh and, yeah,
1: I love it. <laughs>
0: and how, how, how was that experience? I mean, Jack's happy. it would seem like a, a somewhat tepid place. Like Jax is not a brand <laughs> that, that really is trying to push buttons or trying to be extreme or anything like that. They make as you said, accessible, really tasty, very satisfying beers, but they're not really trying to trying to crush anybody or trying to like really do anything crazy. But I, it may still be that you have to deal with the, the public online. How How is that experience?
1: Well, see, that's, the, that's why I love, it's like the public, right? In these spaces, like I'm so passionate about social media and digital media. Um, it's just so funny how people can use a communicative tool as like a weapon. Um, and there is a I want to Dr. J um, has said in a tweet of her own that uh, you know it's astounding how people how much people would do to almost like misunderstand you (laughs) that's just so unfortunate Um, there's so many trolls out there Uh, but again that's dialogue like you can engage in it or you cannot you can um I think it's important that it's just a shame that people can hide behind these spaces and kind of be mean spirited there's no need for that um I've like I've dealt with trolls in the past and it's like you can't you're never going to win so <laughs> you <laughs> kill them with
0: kindness maybe but so are you from the Boston area originally?
1: Yes uh I was actually born in Fort Myers Florida though so okay. I guess that still counts cuz spring training
0: Yeah socks. So you're from you're from here, and you, did you stay here for school or?
1: Yeah, I've been trying to leave Boston my whole life, um, but I How's I went to the School Museum of Fine Arts. I always end up back. School Museum of Fine Arts for a year. Transferred to UMass Amherst, um, but I've lived in Copenhagen, Milan, Portland, Maine, L.A. I think that's about it but I've lived a lot of places Um, and yeah, I do like, I am a bit of a, I like to move. I like, I, you know, it's usually for work, which is great, but um, Boston, you know, I'm becoming more familiar with, you know, this, this area. I have a lot of friends in the industry. Um, I've worked in a lot of different um, bars and, so,
0: so in terms of the Boston scene, how, in your impression, has COVID impacted it?
1: Um, I think like any city, uh, the bars that we want to frequent the most are the ones that are probably the least safe right now. <laughs> um, but Boston does have indoor dining. Um, I haven't really participated in indoor dining. I, you know, I am a host at Bow Market, which is an open air market. People are trying, these businesses are just trying to, you know, remain open. Uh, My job is essentially to be almost like a COVID lifeguard, right? Make Mm -hmm. sure people are kind of following policy, uh, but that they feel comfortable enough to um, you know, spend their money and be with the people that they care about um, because they're putting themselves at risk but um, I've definitely seen you know I hate the word pivot but like a lot of breweries pivot to like we were saying before models of either direct consumer or just like I don't know if you've been to Treehouse yet but that was like a whole like, <laughs> take the concept of Treehouse and then put it in a COVID time and then that's just like the yeah, fact wild. that they can execute on doing that so well is wild but that's not what that you know, get that's not what that space was meant to be right so even as an open air you know like even as a it's not like a dive bar that right, we're, right. we're missing
0: so you noted um Bow Market, which is, you know, as you said, it's an open air market with a lot of stores from sort of smaller independent vendors. Uh, but there's also a brewery in that space, uh, remnant. How, you know, from your experience there, how, how has it been going for them?
1: Um, you know, it's been a lot slower. The winter, Boston winter, uh, hasn't done like, too, too well for anybody, but they're doing okay. You know, that there are spaces that people want to see survive and, um, you know, they'll, like I said, they'll try to support that business, whether it's purchasing merch, purchasing beer, and even like resharing, retweeting.
0: Um, in, in terms of your writing, uh, you are a somewhat recent beer writer. When was the first article you wrote?
1: My first beer article? Well, technically, <laughs> my first beer article was actually an opening of the Mickler San Diego. Um, and that was for a company in, um, in Denmark. And then my second <laughs> uh, article was actually for the Mickler Beer Fest in Boston the first year. Okay. And that was also for a Danish publication. Okay. Um, I'm trying to, I, I think my first writing um, within the this past year has been through Good Beer Hunting, mm-hmm. contributing to their Read Book Drink series, contributing a couple B rolls and then I had my first long form piece also published by them. Um, But my, actually going back to it, my first piece was actually probably that got a lot of eyes was on high roller uh, lobster company up in Portland, Maine for um,
0: hop culture. Arrived all the way. It's a system built by people who worked in the industry and they regularly check in with their clients for not only support, but ways they can potentially grow or help you pivot and readjust as needed. I've worked with all the major systems out there, and I would never pick another service, says Katie Neerling, the GM of Scott Stillery, about arrived. Bolide Communications is a creative and strategic marketing consultancy with decades of experience working with some of the biggest names in beer and consumer products. Talk with Bolide Communications today on how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter. the GBH, you know, piece that you're mentioning, uh, is, you know, one that I think, you know, a lot of people have read that was the unholy water, uh, piece. How did, how did that develop for you? What was your original vision for, for, and for those who haven't read it, I certainly recommend going and doing it. It, 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 at least in part is a bit of an ex an exploration of your own family's history and its connection to beer and brewing. But was that the original first take?
1: It was not. Um,
0: it's funny. My first two pitches
1: to Good Beer Hunting were one about um, beer and, and The Simpsons, which I'm currently writing, and then this that piece that got published. And at the time, the editor, Claire, was like, or and Michael Kaiser, were like, which piece do you want to write first? And I was like, I think, you know, to establish myself as a beer writer, I need to explore this subject matter that at the time was really difficult to write because, you know, even with the downtime of this, yeah, situation, a lot of people are looking more inward. And I had to look inward to explore my own identity, my own history. Um, my grandfather passed away last April. He left behind kind of like a, a you know, a, a legacy that I wanted to kind of learn more about as well as um, just learn more about the beer in, beer in the Middle East. And it was like one of those things that I'm sure many writers face. It's like, okay, the more research you're doing, <laughs> the more this, uh, the scope of the project is growing. And then how to drive it back home was actually through my own, my own uh, personality or my own um, narrative. And that was actually the most challenging part um, because for such a long time especially within digital marketing i was the person behind the camera i was the person mm-hmm. behind the computer right. i was the, i didn't want to be i wanted to remain anonymous um but you know i i'm glad i i i'm finding a voice and it's mm-hmm. i think that's what's the most that's the beautiful thing about uh about the beer world
0: you sort of in that piece explore as uh, someone who is an Iraqi American whose family largely did not drink, you know, you know how is your relationship with alcohol developed and, and how has that sort of influenced or impacted your writing or in the, in the subjects you choose to write about?
1: Huh, I never really thought of that question before. Um, I think for, for my, I basically started drinking a little earlier than 21 like maybe tail end of high school but college definitely changes that you know i was lucky to like be kind of in the first wave of um of like the new england beer scene whether it was like magic Hat and long trail and things like that i think what's more important than kind of like my relationship with beer through my like ethnic lens is kind of like my relationship of beer through kind of the respect of those before me and ahead of me because I think a lot of times there are a lot of beer historians and writers and people that um, don't not necessarily don't think they get respect but because they're like and even brewers to be honest it's like who are these new brew kids on the block that are like these hype breweries that are changing the industry like what about my you know like what about all my years of experience and now someone's coming in here and throwing lactose in it and they're like (laughs) and i can't like i shouldn't have purchased that bottling line oops you know or maybe i should have now like you know there's exactly so for me what i think is most important is to just continue to do the research um And like I said, it becomes almost like a a historical thing. Like uh, these podcasts and these beer writers, and even in terms of like, you know, dry January, like one beer writer in in the New England area was, uh, I don't know if he still writes on beer, is Norman Miller. And he was kind of of like the big, you know, beer influencer of the day and writer and things. And he, uh, a couple of years ago was like, I'm not, drinking beer anymore right Uh, I think it goes back to the balance of you know again for me personally it's like okay well now non-alcoholic beer is a thing to share a non-alcoholic beer with my religious father is like pretty cool um that's one aspect of it
0: what style uh, of beer which and which beer did you share with them
1: uh I think I had the golden ale from athletic I I got um yeah I, I was writing a piece on athletic in the beginning of January. Um, I was commissioned for it. And so I had to do some research, but I, that was the funniest thing was that like, I never, it was like, I never really drank non-alcoholic beer before. Um, and I, it's not something that I would see myself as the audience of, mm-hmm. but again, in order to do the research, <laughs> I thought might as well.
0: And what, what was your dad's response?
1: He enjoyed it. He like, I think, you know, he, he like, I think he likes he he drank i think as uh as a youngin back in baghdad mm-hmm. um but yeah things things have changed
0: <laughs> and you um you know mentioned in some of your your writing you talked about you know especially for that gbh piece that uh, you talked about your grandfather and you mentioned him earlier he published a book that you referenced in there i think it was called from Bag or baghdad to boston what was, you know, t- tell me a little bit more about him because he, he seemed like a pretty interesting figure and one you, you got to know and got to spend some time with. And also then, you know, talk to me, tell me a little bit more about, you know, your family connection to beer and brewing.
1: Yeah, um, so I come from a family uh, of, I guess my grandfather was the first generation to immigrate from Baghdad uh, to UCLA on a scholarship um, and he was always infatuated with cultivation and agriculture. When he went back to Baghdad, um, you know, he started his fam, like his family, my, it was his brother, my great uncle, that was actually the brewer. And he didn't really speak about my, my great uncle until like his later years. And when I found that out, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, it was like, I get like lager and, 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 yeah, my great uncle was a brewer. And um, so my great uncle was a brewer, I think, for the Baghdad Brewing Company, and then uh, Amstel. Uh, And there's just a lot of history, you know, it, again, with almost the colonization of that area. Um, You know, my family uh, is, you know, when they immigrated here, we still like, keep pretty close like we all live in Massachusetts so I you know I've been I take care of took care of my grandfather while he's still alive and still you know trying to take care of my grandma as much as I can with within the safety measures of everything I get tested every week um but I apologize that <laughs> I was trying to find the connection of so he he started actually um a the, a food agricultural business in baghdad um and my great uh and then he hired my his brother it was all run by the brothers uh and they would actually make um juice concentrate which is so funny because there are all these old labels that are like keep cold drink fresh but like mm-hmm. in arabic yeah and like the branding and um and even seeing those images i was like oh my god this is like product photography and copy and, right I was at Jack's you know I was working also on the labels I wasn't doing just digital at the time so it was like it was amazing he actually visited my grandfather visited the brewery one time and I really wanted to show him the canning line because I was like this is like I wanted to show him how many can like the the new developments in that but uh he didn't get a brewery tour unfortunately (laughs) yeah
0: um and so since what was the response to to that piece um, either from did you hear from others in that community who were who are engaged by it or and then from there have you delved any further or are you able to delve any further into that family beer history
1: um i think you know the the response was was very good um i think people like writing um and like pieces that they can relate to more. So that piece was pretty personal. Um, it is kind of like um, you know a, a piece exploring identity that I think a lot of people could relate to. But I think for like Western culture, it didn't resonate as much as it did for um, some other people, which is great. And you know that that piece wasn't was also to inspire kind of others to tell their own their own stories as well. Um, I didn't, I was expecting more like backlash from like, uh, my family back in the Middle East, like the more conservative and religious Mm -hmm. ones, but they were more, uh, happy that I kind of honored, you know, this, this legacy. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot more to be written, um, just generally. And a lot, I mean, the great thing about beer is that every culture has beer, beer is everywhere. But, you know, there's only been one book, I think, written about, like, beer in the Middle East. And there are some Middle Eastern beer historians. Dr. Omar Foda is one of them and a resource I used. And he, his writing is great because it he talks about a lot of um, labor and, um, yeah, labor in the beer world, um, more than just the history of it. Um, but you know, I think everyone has a story to tell. Um, and that was, I had a kind of a lot of like, what about, you know, what about Israel? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, that I, there's a great history of breweries and Israeli and Jewish and brewers. And that I, I'm not someone that identifies with that community. It's actually something that I wouldn't feel comfortable exploring. Um, that's not to say that, you know, I, like I don't support that. I don't learn the history of that. Um, Mike Stein and Lost Loggers, great resource for that. So.
0: No, there. I mean, there is no shortage of stories that to tell out there, and that, and certainly ones that have been incredibly underrepresented over the years of beer writing. That we're looking, you know, to to hear new voices tell these stories, which is why I think that you know a lot of your writing you know, is particularly exciting. And I'm, I'm curious to see where where it goes just from your own perspective, but also, you know, the occasional mixing in of the family history, I think was fascinating. Where do you get, you know, where do you get inspiration from? Where, you know, what are, you know, where are your areas of passion and, and what sort of stories are you drawn to most?
1: Um, I, I really like, I draw inspiration from other um beer media people um you know i find like value in kind of q a material with you know like a brewer as much as i do as like you know something poetic like an ode to beer or even like uh M. Souders, like pints and panels um there are a lot of i think what's insp- inspirational is that it's it's a uh, Just like, you know, just like beer, the again, you can respect the tradition or you can kind of create your own style. And hopefully, people, if it's good, people will, will respect it. Give it a five star rating. No, um, I find, you know, I find inspiration. I, I really do, I'm very passionate about just the beer space and the digital marketing space where they align, where I find other inspiration is like, okay, art and music and things like that. But um, you know, I love listening to other people's stories. Um, I think it's fascinating. I love listening to uh, I actually never listened to podcasts for a while. And now when I do, it's like, like I said, I listen to them at two X speed because I want to actually learn. I don't, I know it doesn't give the person, that much respect, but it's like, I love just learning about these things. I love engaging, um, in the North American, uh, beer writers guild conversations. Um, yeah. I love looking at Instagram, you know, I even look at Instagram, um, fashion and other like food, uh, things to see how I can, you know, gather insight from that into, the beer world. I've done that was when I was actually at Jack's abbey I was like people were like how are you getting these ideas and I was like oh this was actually from like a Folgers you know like <laughs> ad <laughs> or Dunkin Donuts ad, you know like
0: you referenced uh the Beer Raiders Guild and I know that you've done, you know, at least one if not a couple um, of their you know sort of YouTube and their online series. T- talk to me a little bit more about what you've done and the conversations you've had there.
1: Um, I think in those spaces, uh, what's most important. And I think this is one of the things that a lot of people are learning is that, um, sometimes it's most beneficial to just listen. Um, you know, there are a lot of, like you've mentioned, like unrepresented communities that haven't had, um, the chance to kind of have the mic. (laughs) So, uh, for them, it's important that they kind of get to say what they need to say. Um, I, I, I find a lot of value, you know, like I was saying of, of the, the old wave <laughs> as well. Like uh, you know, yourself even I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like say, old, but like yourself, John, Dr. Ogle, uh, Carla, and then like norm but like even the and and we're so lucky that like boston is actually a huge like center of it like beer right
0: kid and everything yeah. like. no it is it's it's but, sort of odd for a place that has a kind of a somewhat small beer scene compared to a lot of places it is kind of lousy with beer writers
1: yeah like um yeah but like you know people the textbooks right it's like these are the people that have published these books and then then you have you know kind of newer disruptors of the space like Tony and April of black and soul Ren Navarro, um, Helen and Burham. I think, you know, the, um, the people overseas are doing a fantastic job as well by overseas. I mean, Europe and Canada,
0: (laughs) Where you know what sort of subjects do you want to cover in the future? Where do you want to take your your writing, and do you want to just you know expand it you know with the background that you have and the and the level of interests, uh, sort of the layered and multi level interests? Is it just in writing, or do you want to break this out into more of a multimedia multimedia campaign?
1: Yeah, I I'm that's something that I'm challenging myself right now. Is that like. How relevant again? How relevant these things are. Like, I love reading, and I love you know, um, I love print. Like, print is something that like I miss. But it's like there's a long time. Like, I I I write for uh, a Boston Alt Weekly, and it's like they didn't print during COVID because it just wasn't like safe. And then they finally like started printing again, and it's like I don't think people are read like picking up a newspaper anymore. I miss that, you know, um, and, and writing a book, takes a lot of commitment, but, and listening to a podcast, takes a <laughs> lot of commitment. Uh, I would love to, like, I, I kind of love just writing this wave of, of beer marketing. Um, there are points where I wish like social media didn't exist because it's consuming and awful and, you know, like you can really get sucked in, but I think, you know, there are new platforms um like twitter spaces is new clubhouse is new clubhouse is so like fascinating as far as the space like we could be having this conversation on clubhouse right and people would be already like engaging and you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and and i i find that to be miraculous i i do eventually want to write um a book on on beer marketing um and and reference you know specific people that you've had on the show uh peter bissell i think is a fascinating person um in that space um kaiser michael kaiser um and there are just a lot you know there's a lot of there's so much talent that in in the beer world that like you said it's like what my my goal as a journalist and writer is to kind of just elevate my my community Mm -hmm. um and and help those tell their stories as well.
0: What is, you know, what is exciting you in the world of beer right now? And that may be product or it actually may be, you know, that we're seeing a lot of stories be told that haven't been told. We're hearing a lot of voices starting to be elevated in subject matters that have gone, you know, uncovered or undercovered uh, for years. You know, what, you know, what do you, what do you see in the future? What are you excited about?
1: Um, I mean, I'm excited. Um, I think, you know, for for I, I've said it before, uh, in not so many words. It's like beer really like loves to use the word like community mm-hmm. and like our community, our tapper. And then it's like, so what does that actually look like? And I think now people are like, I'm part of this community, and I'm not what you thought, you know, like when you think what beer is. Um, and that's changed with almost like within the past like year and that's almost become the new normal. Right. And then it's like okay, well now let's like think about our our kind of our next gen- for me like our next generation of consumers. Like what is the next 21 year old like for me as a 21 year old it was like okay, magic hat was cool <laughs> because you know like the labels were yeah. you know like this is what's appealing to me. And and the beer world is is almost similar to the music world in that regard where it, it comes with like merch and you know these breweries. Brewer, some brewers are becoming, you know, having this like rock star following. Essentially, um, you have publications that are essentially like music publications, but for beer. Um, and in terms of like styles and things like that, I I don't really. <laughs> I was joking. I was like, I love again. This is this is where I I guess makes more sense. It's like I have so much respect for historic styles it's like i want my beer to taste like beer or i want my beer to taste nothing like <laughs> beer i want I, my beer to have oreos and and banana and reese's cup like i either want my beer to taste just like a traditional col style you know or lager or dunkel or i want it to be some weird milkshake fruited <laughs> yeah so nothing in between that no sometimes in between
0: I think I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. Putting it, I think I actually subscribe to that as well. I love when my beer tastes like beer. I love traditional styles. Very passionate about them, but also I like I love seeing you know the the envelope pushed. I love seeing the extreme. I love seeing change because this industry is so defined by um, you know just just not being happy with what we're doing. We're always trying to push forward, and that's been one of the downsides of COVID as we've seen that. You know that sort of plateau for a little while because you don't have that immediate ability to maybe serve that beer in the taproom that you used to. But I think that's a great way of putting it that I also do like the other side of the traditional coin, just the crazy ridiculous stuff that the beer industry does. Um, and I think maybe I missed that a little bit during COVID. I'm I'm looking forward to getting on the other side so we can get back to some of that ridiculousness that you know we were doing in the earlier days.
1: Yeah. I mean it's all like pretty absurd and that's the fun thing about it is that like you can try to kind of like disengage or unsubscribe and it's like well it's all it's always everywhere and it's kind of what you (laughs) what you want to do with it like I love it's like well if you don't want to drink that beer or you don't want to you know check instagram it's like you don't have to you know (laughs) like
0: Thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. My partner, John Hall, and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, beeredge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the BeerEdge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at andy@beeredge.com with your thoughts. Thanks for your support. Go to arrive.com to set up a free, customized demo with an Arrived consultant and see how a point of sale can make all the difference in your guest experience, staff satisfaction, and bottom line. Chances are a switch to Arrive will save you time, money, and a whole lot of headaches. Arrive.com. That's A R R Y V E D.com. Because there's no I in Arrived. Do you have the right messages in place to make your brewery stand out in a crowded field? Are you executing with trusted partners who know the beer industry? Are you receiving the right counsel? Bowlide Communications offers a wide range of marketing services to satisfied customers, including positioning sales collateral and POS, branding, website design, public relations, and social media. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. You already make great beer. Let Bolide Communications help with the rest.